It is critical you pay attention at this time. The following program is being broadcast to all fans of Nova and for the preservation of the Zendarian homeworld's culture. I am the world mind and I am turning control over to my human host. Welcome to the latest episode of Xandar Radio. I'm Doug Smith, also known online as Nova64, and I run the Nova Prime page at novaprimepage.com. In this latest episode, the Learn More in Studio 64 segment has the roundtable trio of Don Lund, Corey Blake, and myself as we begin our look at the Amna and Lanning run on Nova. So I'll get started, and I'd like to thank you again for listening and following the show. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I hope you enjoy it and will become one of the champions of Xandar Radio by following or subscribing to the podcast on your preferred platform. Coming up is the Learn More in Studio 64 segment as we begin our look at the first seven issues of Nova's 2007 series. Learn More in Studio 64 And welcome to a new edition of Learn More in Studio 64. Don, Corey, and I are going to take a look today at the Abna and Lanning Nova series. We're going to look at the first seven issues, I believe. And so we're going to get started on issue number one. Don, what did you think of issue number one? I loved it. And we, uh, if you're just tuning in and, and you remember the Annihilation Nova miniseries that leads into this. And so we're still using the same kind of art style and the same kind of lettering and the same kind of right out of, so they're, they're taking that momentum of Annihilation and we have Abnet Lanning, which are two of my favorite Nova writers of all time. So yeah, absolutely loved it. Adi Granoff with the super cool cover art that, that was kind of for that era, very distinctive. So Nova is getting, I guess our our backup backup character that had to be rescued from you know the the backs of the the handbooks to be in the new warriors and be brought back to life suddenly Nova's a star. I mean he has a star in some you know Nova's a star and it's a, yeah it's a great continuation of the vibe and the feel from Annihilation taking that momentum from that excellent story and that uh, we were all very effusive about in in the praise of Annihilation so now Nova gets his own series so top of the line. I mean, Adi Granoff at the time, he just a fantastic cover artist. And then we have on the interior art, Sean Chen uh, on issue number one. And I guess this goes back to what, June 2007. So if you think of a 70s character getting real good love in 2007, that shows he's got some mileage, doesn't it, Corey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a real revitalization of the character. I was thinking, I mean, this is era is sort of this golden age of for this character. I mean, in a way, it's really all of these pieces of the character in different periods that we loved finally coming together and coalescing into this new ongoing series that just works really well. I mean, the character's matured and has this new status quo that is compelling, exciting, dramatic, and looks great. I mean, it's just such a new, it is kind of amazing to think about the 70s character who who really got this new lease on life after that miniseries and the Annihilation miniseries. This this Nova series is kind of, you know, basically like a spinoff uh, from that event. This first issue was fantastic to me. I, I, it really established his new status quo, established the state of the cosmic side of the Marvel Universe 
following the Annihilation War and just how sort of desperate things are and how much burden Nova has put on his shoulders to try to work through a backlog of emergencies that have built up over the last year. And he's just running himself to exhaustion to try and help the universe, help, help the galaxy. And it's done. I just love the, the structure of this issue because it really takes him through his paces, shows him his power levels, but the personality dynamic between him and the world mine, which was established in the miniseries, but it, it continues here and is sort of, uh, you know, I guess adjusted slightly because of this new status quo of this universe in disarray. And the two of them and a little bit of a misalignment on, on how they think things should move forward. Nova is strictly just running on adrenaline of just crisis mode of just going from one emergency to the next. We've got to get to the next emergency. We've got to get to the next emergency. We've got to get to the next emergency. And the world mind is trying to say, hey, we need to stop and reassess and actually like put together a plan. And, and a recurring sort of theme that's going to be running through this is this belief from the world mind that we need to rebuild the Nova Corps. We can't, it can't all be on one person. And Nova is really stubbornly thinking, it's got to be me because the Nova Corps died in front of my eyes and I can't live through that again. So it's just got to be me. Yeah, I, I just love this. I mean, even the little bit when he's on this planet saving these aliens from this world uh, security system, this gigantic kind of robot organism kind of thing that was kind of accidentally activated by the annihilation war. And he's on this planet to help these little, uh, these little grasshopper looking kind of aliens and the translation. I love the little, just the writing, the little writing kind of tick of the translation in Nova's helmet doesn't quite ha have their language sorted yet. And so we're getting like incomplete sentences, you know, there's like these in parentheses, like a summary of what the per what the alien is saying because the full translation hasn't been worked out yet. I just love little touches like that. Doug, what did you think? Yeah, you know, those are, are things that I just, I love about this. It's obvious that Abnett and Lanning have a sci-fi roots to them because, you know, they also wrote Legion for some time. It's those little touches. I mean, even in the language of the world mind, it's you know, a lot for me, it's a lot of syllables. Let's, let's put it that way. And then, like you say, those little glitches where the translation isn't quite right. And there are just concepts, even from this first few pages with planet fall, where it's in a techno organic kind of being. And what I really like is this is picking up with repercussions from annihilation. Because usually, you know, like in comics, we we see it a lot where something big will happen, and then the next month everything's back to normal. And in this case, there's there's repercussions. There's cleanup work. There's no damage control running around on a galactic scale fixing anything. The political system, the planetary systems, societal issues with all these planets, and he's just one guy trying to fix as much as he can. You know, the dynamics with him and the world mind. I, I love that. It, it reminds me of Firestorm in a way when it was Ronnie and Professor Stein. But in this case, it's, I, I like this even better because it's an AI system that he's, that he's interacting with instead of actually just another human mind. And 
I think the dynamics are great. They really do hit the ground running in from the beginning here. I like the way he takes care of Planetfall. You know, he, the, you, they're both thinking it through and you're seeing more like we we're comparing with Firestorm. Professor Stein was always the one being the strategist and saying, okay, Ronnie, change it to this and this. And Ronnie was just more of the vessel for, I think, more for the professor to kind of come up with solutions. In here, they are definitely working as a team. You've got Rich making the strategies and coming up with, okay, we got to find weaknesses. We got to do this. And the world mind is in the background, crunching the data and figuring it out. So I, I think the relationship is really good. I love the art. Sean Chen, you know, the one of the things with Nova's redesign from Annihilation is the fact that it is, it's a hard costume to, to draw, I would think. Sometimes it doesn't look right. Sometimes it looks fantastic. And I think Sean Chen is one of those that draws it really well. And I like the, the full energy look that the colorist brings and everything. So the great creative team for this series, and it starts off really great. Well, it really does. And you, and you see that Rich's vocabulary is about the same and his attitudes are about the same when he starts to say, crap on a stick, world mind. Are you seeing this? <laughs> crap on a stick. That's, that's <laughs> That's all Rich Ryder. That, you steal it in your heart. Crap on a stick. That's Rich. He, he acts like Rich. So <laughs> he's our character that said a lot of outrageous things. And what's really, you know, there have been online debates and what they used to call flame wars about versions of Rich Ryder, whether he was growing enough or not growing enough under certain writers at certain times over his first 30 or 40 years, uh, you know, or first 30 years of existence. But Abnett Lanning really did a, a job of just naturally incorporating all the elements of Rich Ryder and moving him forward with the information that he learned. I mean, he's a changed person after a war. Everybody's changed after a war. So Rich, it do, so it does affect him. But he's still, as Doug pointed out, he's still trying to put it on his shoulders. He's still trying to fix everything. And, and, and what's really fun is this this buddy cop kind of set of world mind bouncing things off each other. So it creates a lot of humor. It's a lot of fun at their discussions. And, you know, sometimes one seems to have a better idea than the other. Even Rich comes up with a good idea now and then. Not always, but yeah. And, and, and the art, as you were pointing out, the color is just amazing with the fire stuff and the hero landing. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. Did you have a particular favorite moment, Corey, in the issue? My favorite moment is I think it's the third stop he makes in this sort of mad dash to to go, to run through these emergency calls. And I think it's probably the the one that kind of like nearly breaks him is that that research station where he, he shows up like three months too late. Like he's working through a backlog that is just months and months old because the war put everything on hold. And so he's working through these these like emergency calls that were sent to the Nova Corps. And there's no Nova Corps to respond. So he's he's basically trying to respond to emergencies. You know, imagine like a police department getting 911 calls and one person has to answer it for an entire city. That's like multiply that by, you know, a million because it's the entire galaxy. So the third one that we see in this issue is he arrives too late. This station lost orbit 
and has drifted and the, the life support systems failed and they just all died. And he's page is heartbreaking of him just standing there surrounding by surrounded by all the dead crew. And, you know, before the last two stops we saw, he just could blast his way and, sh and fight his way through and just, and just force it, you know, and then run off and go to the next one. This one, there's, there's nothing he can do. He just stops and he realizes that he, he's, he can't get to everything, but he's still stubbornly holding on and he insists, no, what's next? What's next? That's the name of the issue. I love that. The name of the story of this issue what is what's next. And he keeps asking every time he gets through an emergency call, he asks the world mind, what's next? And he's just, he's just trying to just push himself through and through and through. And he hasn't eaten for like a day or so. And he's barely rested at all for weeks or days or who knows how long. And he finally gets to something where it's, there's just nothing he can do. And he's just like, okay, I, I just got to go to the next one. And then he tries to take a shortcut to that next place, to that next emergency. And it, it's an, a mistake to do that. He, he, he runs into some space thing and he throws him off course and he realizes like he really has to stop and he finally has to realize like he can't just push through this so i just i love that that moment is kind of to me the beginning of this where he's finally broken he finally has to realize he can't do everything even with all these amazing powers as fun as all the adventure and action is there's still like that humanity is heartbreaking when you realize you can't do everything what about you doug what was your favorite moment the same for me and, and for the same reasons, because, you know, those first couple of stops, he, you know, he, he took out Planetfall pretty easy. And then, then he has to go take some revenge on some bugs. And, you know, I think he enjoyed that. And so, I mean, it's almost like a setup of, okay, what we'll get in this series is he's easily going to just start taking care of all of these situations. And then all of a sudden there's that gut punch of, no, you're not. And it real, I, lo I love how that drove home that, yeah, he needed to take a break. And yeah, great, great, great sequence. How about you, Don? Well, I did, I did like the humanity. And it was a very powerful scene that you uh, have both have covered rather well as far as the space station. But that power level that we were talking about, you know, uh, his personality is being covered really well by, by DNA, Abnet Landing. But also part of that evolution <laughs> where he's... When you talk about the bugs, he obliterated them. He, you know, we talk about Silver Age heroes killing good is killing bad. You know, is you know, should Batman have a gun? That kind of a thing. Well, <laughs> to quote Rich again, as he's blowing up these bugs. Okay, let's review. Your ride is toast. I'm Nova. You're dead. Allow me to demonstrate. So again, we have a very articulate hero. I love the dialogue that, that Rich has in this in this book and and how Worldmind talks back and Worldmind saying he was a little bit brusque for for refusing to have a, a meal with the governor after he clears out all these bugs but he he blasts them out of existence he really it's it's fascinating so that power level shift and taking down planetfall clearing out the bugs and then just uh he's this is a different hero it, you know it's not it's not our 1970s rich but but it is so i i liked his evolution it was a fantastic issue Doug said they, they hit the ground running. I'd say they hit the ground rocketing into the future. <laughs> uh, and on that smooth segue, well, let's zoom our way over to issue number two. Because at the end of number one, Rich does decide he needs a break and he heads home. 
and he's come up on S.H.I.E.L.D.'s radar because of his power levels are basically off the chart, and they don't know what's coming. And in issue two, Richard returns to Earth and uh, arrives at the Ryder home, and not quite the homecoming that I think he expected. So what did you think, Corey? This was this was great to see. I think I think we all wanted to sort of, especially if you were reading Marvel Comics at the time, as Iron Man mentions in this issue, much has changed in the Marvel Universe. Civil War has happened, and right now this is, is sort of the uh, initiative phase of the Marvel Comics Universe, that sort of like branding that they put on all their comics. And so kind of in the aftermath of Civil War, which ran pretty much concurrently with the Annihilation miniseries. And so, yeah, Nova returns and finds, once again, it's not the 70s anymore. And But we do meet his parents and not meet, we re-meet. He, he reunites with his parents. And I was a little, I felt like his father was a little too angry. That kind of bothered me that he was just so mad about everything. But at the same time, the world's upside down for them right now. And they're scared and confused about their son, who is staying up at night with a robot speaking out of its out of his mouth and watching television, you know, like, I mean, there's just all sorts of crazy stuff going on that they've never seen before from Richard, even with them knowing about him being Nova. So I, I get it. And there's also a reunion with a couple of the new warriors. He finds out Namorita, his, uh, as well as other new warriors have died. And I like the scene with him and Vance, the conversations with Iron Man. It was tense. You know, you can feel the tension between them of them navigating each other. And, and so, yeah, I like this. I think my, yeah, my only thing was the father. I wish he wasn't quite so mad about everything, but otherwise I thought this was really great. Uh, and I think it necessary. I think this was the right next step. If he just kind of stayed in space, I think it would, be, it would become sort of too, it would sort of hang over the series of like, is he never going home to at least check on things? So I think this is the, the, the right move. Don, what did you think? What, what was your impression of this issue? The, you know, the constant uh, trope of you can never go home again kind of a thing. So that's certainly a theme here that things have changed drastically and, and they have changed drastically because we have the backdrop of what we talked about. What was going on during Annihilation was also happening on Earth was Civil War. And so I don't know who's a bigger jerk this issue, Diamond Head or Iron Man. I mean, it's kind of a close call. I'm going to go Iron Man. So Rich, I do like the Rich says, hey, no more strike teams on my lawn. So I like the pushback there from Rich. He's not. The little kid, junior hero, new warrior thing where the Avengers look down on the on the junior team. It, so Rich sat down, you know, eye to eye, got some respect for, from Iron Man uh, or somewhat. And so that was an interesting conversation. I love that he got to see his parents. And I do understand what you're talking about with the with the anger. But they're using – they seem to use Rich's dad as the voice of the people of the Civil War that were shocked and dismayed. The part of the story that I hate about Civil War that the new warriors were blamed for everything. Your so-called friends, right? His dad saying that stuff. So, but it reflects that versus thing that was going on on Earth while Rich was gone. So his dad kind of represents that particular view, and which you'd hope a father would be a little more, would have a little more empathy. I agree with that, Corey, but he doesn't. But just to just to go back to his parents' house, and and you know, again, they're bringing the full circle, including everything about Rich Rider's history, and making short work of that jerk Diamond Head was one of my favorite highlights. Just showing how how he's kind of graduated to a level that nobody can quite wrap their heads around. Yeah. Good art again, a little bit uneven towards the end of the issue compared to the beginning of the issue. Like they're trying to 
race things out. But what was your favorite part, Doug? My favorite part, I think, I think it's the same with you guys. The that jerk diamond head, and I think one of the things I really liked about it is when he first sees Diamond Head. There's almost a for Rich, it's almost like a mental regression because Diamond Head in the '70s series could always just beat on him, and it's almost this kind of initial fear reaction when he sees Diamond Head this time. It's kind of, a, oh, no. But then once Diamond Head hits him, he kind of recovers. And I think he realizes at the power levels that, that Rich is at now, you're like, really? You hit me with a piece of paper, dude. And and he's just like, okay, I'm going to take your hand off now. So I, I like that just because, you know, who, who doesn't like to see Diamond Head's hands blown off? <laughs> so... And any, you know, I, I had the same reaction, Corey, about Rich's dad. But, you know, I wonder if parts of that, too, are things that we didn't see since Rich's identity got made public by Hindsight Lad. I'm sure the writers had a lot of public attacks on them while Rich was out in space. And so, you know, it could be his dad is angry about what him and his wife have gone through because of Rich being a hero. And then also, this is the second time that Rich has been gone for, you know, oh, at least a year. And they have no idea what's happened to him. So, you know, I, I think they might, there might be some kind of resentment or anger from his father at him because of all the worry that he put his family through and that's it's just being expressed this way so that helped me come a little bit to you know maybe see Charles reaction a little bit different and but you know the that interactions between Tony Stark and and Rich Ryder are fantastic it's like you said Don this is this isn't the hero worshiping Rich Ryder that we had in the beginning where he would have just respectfully, you know, worshiped a Captain America or a Iron Man or a Thor or any of the big, to him, the big heroes that were in the Avengers when he was growing up. This is Rich Ryder saying, I'm at least equal to, to you. And the fact that he just stays pretty much eye to eye with Tony Stark and call, and bringing him and call, you know taking to Tony to task about what were where were you guys I sent you a message you know and you guys let me down and so I just, I love the way that they dealt with each other and to Tony's credit he does treat Rich with a lot more respect I thought you know and and the constant saying well you're not the Nova we remember I like that quite a bit too. What did you, and speaking of, you know, take a look at the new Warriors angle. What, what did you think about his interaction with, with Justice, Corey? Yeah, I, I like that a lot. You know, at, at this point, and that's at this point in time, every new Warriors appearance, it was like holding your breath of like, are they going to be treated either A, as a joke or B, just completely just, you know, second stringer losers and, and that they caused the civil war and that everything's their fault and they're stupid and dumb, you know, and, and so this didn't do either gratefully. And so I thought that, yeah, that the conversation was like justice was treated 
as an equal. Like they obviously respect each other. Just as I like how he explained that, hey, he, I was on the resistance, and but I'm not now. And that's, and he was hoping that Rich would join him. I also like the the moment right after that. Richard's in his bedroom, his old bedroom, and the picture of the New Warriors, like classic '90s New Warriors, early '90s New Warriors, and then the you know him sort of thinking about the old days and how long ago it was, and then the Space Wars <laughs> poster, of an obvious reference to Star Wars, which is funny now because now Marvel Marvel could have used an actual Star Wars poster now that they're all both owned by Disney. I, I really like that bedroom scene anyway. Yeah, it was a great touch with the photo in the frame of the New Warriors. I really love that touch. And again, I think Abnett and Lanning do such a good job of incorporating every element of Nova's history and, and then moving it forward. But one of the great lines, I, we, I, can't, I can't let us get off this without one of my favorite lines of all time that Nova says, when in that discussion with Iron Man, when Iron Man says, hey, Annihilus, what happened to him? I pulled him inside out and saved the universe. What have you done lately, Tony? <laughs> so, you know, again, Rich, yeah, Rich cracks me up. What can I say? <laughs> so, yeah, not everybody gets to pull Annihilus inside out. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a small club. I also really enjoyed the the whole thing of him learning that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, and then um, following a, you know him turning Diamond Head over, which I, that's a nice exchange with the police, I thought. Again, references to how it used to be. And I think Rich has come into terms that things aren't like they used to be. And I think that was another scene that helped push that through. But as he's leaving the police station, he runs into the Thunderbolts, which takes us into issue three. And in this case, the Thunderbolts consist of, looks like, Radioactive Man, Venom, Moonstone, and Penance. And so what'd you think of this one, Don? Well, I have to say, just right off the top, as a New Warriors fan, Speedball fan. I never liked Penance. I never liked that whole super feeling bad. So he has to actually change his appearance, change his attitude, and feel bad about things all the time. Penance is part of the Thunderbolts, who are supposedly on the on the side of the Angels, trying to get unregistered thugs like Rich Ryder on the menu and and as a part of the the Civil War stuff. And yeah, I guess again, this gives me another chance to say how much I hated Civil War. <laughs> and all the, it was really was bad for the new warriors all the new warriors and so this particular conflict is the thunderbolts jump in and try to you know pretty good fight because we know that rich is 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 a lot stronger now and he's anytime that you can you know take care of venom with a punch is always kind of fun and the buildings and the power and the level of destruction and of course iron man has to get back involved with the whole thing i thought it was action packed issue and we have another big conversation with Tony Stark. The, the tough part was, you know, I, I, what we talked about previously with Rich's parents and now in issue three, it gets even worse. And and yes, he's changed a lot. And yes, he's not. He's still trying to figure out what happened to Earth while he was gone and who he is now. He is really, it is kind of a self-discovery and, and a continuation of the you can't really go home again moment. I thought his parents came off even less empathetic this particular issue. And it's and it's hurtful. And he does get to find out who Penance is. And it's it's that's probably the most interesting moment and, I guess, a decisive moment for just how, how much things had changed. I don't know. Uh, Corey, did you think that uh, Penance was, was represented well in this? Yeah. I mean, I think it was handled 
I mean, Nova's line is just amazing at the end of that scene where he says, don't let them turn you into something you're not. I mean, if there is a metatextual line of dialogue that I've ever heard, that's certainly up there in, in double meaning. I mean, Speedball, this carefree, bouncing character turned into, into penance. But I mean, I think, there's, I think there's something to the idea of Speedball's guilt and survivor guilt and there, that's that there's something there that I think is worth is worth exploring, but I think the extent to which they took it, I mean, just looking at the character and his like toe daggers on his boots, I mean, it's just too, it's too silly. It's too much. It's too far. But I think they, I think the writers did a, a commendable job of grounding that into this book, into this, into the context of this book and the tone of this book. And Robbie's like questions to him is like right on the money. And, and, uh, you know, him, you're being way too hard on yourself. This wasn't your fault. Um, you know, I really like the conversation that they have. And I think it pretty much encapsulates like what, what exactly is the, the kind of the problem with this evolution of speedball to penance. Never mind the power. I mean, just like, his powers no longer make sense. Like, I don't understand how guilt can make your powers completely change. I mean, that, that was the standout scene. And just that like two page, like their conversation is really good. But yeah, the parents, yeah, I agreed. I mean, I think Don and Doug, you both brought up valid points about why the father is as angry as he is, both in terms of representing the broader Marvel universe and like citizens in the Marvel universe and their perspective of heroes and, and the Stanford incident. As well as, yeah, that, I mean, you're absolutely right, probably, Doug, that they probably have been getting harassed about the, their son being one of the new warriors. That would make sense. But yeah, I agree. It's even it's even less sympathetic here. And maybe maybe a little more work could have been done to explain where they're coming from. But even so, yeah, I, I, I love the, the sort of, again, this, this the, like delicate gr- begrudging respect between Tony and Richard. I think they... That dance between the two characters is really interesting, both on the previous issue and this issue. And then, yeah, I think after he talks to Robbie and realizes just how far gone things have gotten, he's just like, yeah, I don't, I think, what is this line? I don't, I think the world's gone psycho and I want off. Who is not related to that sentence? And he just decides, yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think it's better just to be in space. And so he he takes off and breaks into his parents' television signal and tells them, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. And that's that. And that's his, his homecoming, which is, it's heartbreaking, you know, like you want to return home and feel like you're loved and welcome and everything's okay. And that that's the safe place that maybe you've been longing to have again. And then you do so, you go back and it's, it's none of those things. And so, yeah, it's, it's tragic, but then he just forges ahead and he says, what's next? Doug, what moment sort of jumped out for you? You know, a couple of the things I like in this that I think kind of drive home a lot uh, of things is, you know, not necessarily the fight with the Thunderbolts, because it's like, okay, it's yeah, another superhero smackdown fight with the supervillains sort of thing. What I really kind of sense from that, though, is Rich, even though he's fighting four of the, as Tony says, most powerful Thunderbolts, I still sense Rich was holding back in this because he kept referencing, hey, you know, calm down, look at all the property damage you're doing and civilian people are in danger. I think other circumstances, if it had been a cleared battlefield, he he would have unloaded on them. 
But the page where he's talking to Tony uh, afterwards, I think that kind of professionalism that he had had when he talked with Tony before is starting to kind of grind down a little because he kind of takes Tony to task about, I had to, you know, unite a whole bunch of of people to fight something big where billions were lost and you had little squabbles going on. And to Tony's credit, you know, I think he kind of was smoothing it down and, and trying to make the, you know, his point the best he could to Rich. What I think is a great line is, again, Tony says, you're really not the Nova we used to know, are you? And Rich answers simple, well, war will do that to you. I, I thought that was a real poignant statement by Rich, and it, it's just one line. I think one of the points that really hits it is when he goes back to Harry S. Truman High School. And I know for me, when I read it, and you see the state of disrepair that the high school's in, and it's closed down and basically condemned, I think that hit me harder than I, I thought it would. Like, wow. You know, because the beginning of Nova was so tied to that high school, and all of a sudden it's just, it's gone. I think that hit Rich, and I think, I know at least at me, as a reader, that drove home that he couldn't go back to what it used to be. But you know, my whole favorite panel of this whole issue, and it's one of my favorite pages in all history of Nova, is the one where he's hovering above the earth, saying bye to his family. I absolutely love that page. I mean, it's, it's simple, it's beautiful. Any other comments on this issue, guys? Well, yeah, you, yeah, I, I think if there was ever, I mean, I own a, I'm lucky to own a few pages of original art along the way. If I was to ever, you know, but if I could have a favorite page of original art, Doug, I totally agree with you. It's one of my favorite panels in Nova history. It's beautifully, it's simple, it's elegant, it's colored brilliantly. So, you know, where you can see the reflection of the, of the, you know, the sun coming up over and reflecting on his armor. And, and a great set of lines there, too. So not only is the art great, it's a very powerful panel. Where World Mind is, Richard, are you all right? Yep. Are you lying to me? Yep. <laughs> this is the right thing to do, World Mind. And then World Mind, I agree with your practical analysis, Richard, if not your emotional one. So that, it's, a, it's an amazing page, art-wise. And sometimes the simple little bit of dialogue is all it takes to, to capture the power of the moment. And, yeah, it's a great, great panel. I agree. Yeah, I agree. That really is a great page, both both the larger panel and that little inset there at the end. I also want to call out real quick in that Iron Man conversation, Doug, you were talking about, you know, he you really when Nova says, Well, war will do that to you about changing. And and on the very next page, he says, I don't fit in here anymore, do I? And that line just really <laughs> it's like why he left, or he just doesn't feel like he doesn't fit into the into the Marvel universe. Uh, you know, the Earth's mar- the Earth anymore, the, wor- the the dramatics that are going on in Earth. So yeah, this this two issue arc was really impactful. I felt, and that those moments are just illustrate why. All right, so we're going to go on to issue number four. Rich is back out in space, and uh, what do you think of that one, Don? Well, first off, we were talking uh, Adi Granov, our cover artist, and uh, so these really covers. This is probably issue number four, just starting off with that amazing cover. I think that's my favorite of our first uh, of our issues that we're covering 
in this particular podcast. I really like the energy coming off of Rich and kind of coming out of the panel at you type of kind of a high tech Eric Larson look or, you know, Jack Kirby kind of had that perspective. Walt Simonson kind of that coming at you cover and the crackling energy. Uh, yeah, really powerful, good cover there for Nova number four. And then we get into some more great art with, from Sean Chen, another <laughs> exploding into action. He's responding to a distress call from the Cree and he's back on duty as Nova Prime. It really is just the pacing when you when you go from the return home and then back into space and into action. I just thought it was really well done. And and we start off with our our buddy movie uh, again with World Mind and their their conversation and trying to figure out what's going on. Great conversations between Rich and and World Mind as they address the threat and get started. And then we start to get introduced into some other characters and we start to build and start to see what will eventually be some of the stuff that Rich gets involved with. The Guardians of the Galaxy, but a great action start at the beginning of the issue. Corey, what did you what did you think on the jump into number four? Yeah, this was good. Again, I feel like perfect. You know, it's like, yep, this is exactly what should be happening. <laughs> right back to the action and right back to his the burden that he feels to try and save as many people as possible after all the deaths he witnessed during the war. And yeah, he's taken to the Cree homeworld here, and this is a tie-in running right from one crossover event into the next uh, after a few issues annihilation conquest which is the sequel to annihilation and so nova doesn't have quite as much of a role in the annihilation conquest events but his book certainly gets wrapped up in it uh, nicely but i think it doesn't feel like an interruption it feels like it feels very natural to what's going on with the book itself and so yeah he discovers that the kree world here and in fact like kree space has been taken over by the phalanx and his his one-time girlfriend probably is overstating it but gamora who he had a fling with during the annihilation war is kind of leading up the phalanx group here and yeah they have to pursue him and then yeah they basically this threat of some classic uh, kree kirby created threats that nova has to go up against it's just some great great action here great tension as Nova's trying to escape this trouble that he's suddenly found himself in, that all of a sudden the entire Kree Empire has been taken over, he discovers, and tries to escape, runs into a wall, basically, a cosmic border that's been put around Kree space. And then we, we see him crash land on this outworld planet in the Kree space. And I just love that transition into this, like, the red color tone here, this dusty, rusted, burnt-out planet that had been abandoned. And there are these Kree soldiers that couldn't escape in time and were crash landed in there. There's this, they've just been sitting here for about a year. They discover Nova's crash landing. Diving right into an event right after the heartbreak of last two issues. Uh, Doug, what do you think? I think you correct me here, but I think Brian Denham takes over on the art during this issue. Yeah, I, I think where we see the phalanx kind of show up i think that it almost kind of looks like that's where the art change happens but i'm sure you guys can check me on that but i really like the art in this it's solid the story is great it's a really good introduction for rich into annihilation conquest it stands by itself but it also you know it it is directly tied to that event so Really, really like the art in here. 
And as powerful as we know Rich is, now he's got to fight Gamora, who's been taken over. And she knows him, and she knows him strategically. So she's able to anticipate how he's going to react to things. And you know, he hasn't really had to deal with that yet. And it's it's just terrific. And she kind of drives him, and boom, then he hits the field, and he gets burned up real good. So we have Crispy Rich here on the planet, and yeah, I just love the way this is all set up. And then, of course, we get Corel introduced. And what did you think of it, Don? Well, um, we were asking about the Scott Hanna, Brian Denham team up for this issue in the art. Brian Denham officially gets credit for pages 5, 6, 7, 10, 11, and 13. So he does about six pages in uh, issue number four, uh, according to the, uh, to the credits, the official credits for the issue. So Brian Denham does some nice fill in and his pages look good and, and Chen's pages look good. So, and, and Scott Hanna's inks kind of, well, I, I think Corey talked about that Denham does his own inks, but I, I think it still does a good job of the, the art kind of uh, flowing together. And Hey, you know, you talked about Corel. That's probably my favorite moment of the issue because, you know, Nova was always part of something bigger. And so we, now we have a hint of a new Nova core with Corel great page, you know, where she gets that sliver of the Nova Force and becomes used. And, and, and hey, it's the classic costume, too. And extra bonus points from from Don here in the corner for the guys, because that, that was a nice choice for that look as Corel is born into the Nova Corps there. What do you think of that particular moment, Corey? Well, I do love that scene. And, and it probably is my favorite moment of the issue is, is sort of establishing this world and Corel narrating it and getting to know her in this sort of ragtag group where she's just leading this group because she just is the only, she's the highest ranking officer left alive. Like she, she's a medical officer. She's really not supposed to be in charge of a unit, but kind of, well, it's you or nobody or the next person down, uh, whoever's below her on the rank. I guess there's a, there's an older guy that sounds like he's probably next in line, but Again, I just love the colors on this, like that the rusty red of this whole all these scenes. And then her, you know, the Cree blue skin, just how that pops from from it. And then yeah, they find a find a very basically just burnt to a husk Richard Ryder. And then, you know, it feels has kind of like an uh, uh, like an alien, you know, the alien aliens movies vibe to it a little bit as they're kind of walking around and making these discoveries. And, uh, and which I love those movies. And so I, I really like this kind of tone that's being set here. And then, yeah, she gets hit, struck by this bolt and, and is, has the classic Nova costume, which is fun to see again, cliffhanger ending. Yeah. So I, I thought this was great. That's what you want in a cliffhanger is you got to get the next issue to find out what happens, make sure Nova's okay. So, uh, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, I like the little Easter egg that's, that's in there when the power gets transferred to Corel. The one guy says, always talking about the powers off the scale, like a thousand cobalt bombs going off. And in Nova number one, if I'm remembering right, that was how Marv Wolfman described the Nova force when it fully manifested in Rich Rider, that he said it was like a thousand cobalt bombs exploding. I think something like exploding with the force of a thousand cobalt bombs. That's great. I didn't catch that. That's awesome. And I love the return of someone wearing a original Nova outfit. So again, another great issue. And then we're going to we'll go on to number five, 
the cover of five being a, a homage to cover number one, except this time we have Corel in Rich's place. And what did you think of that issue, Don? Well, yeah, the fastest you know homage cover ever to you know we're we're five issues in and we've got an homage to the first cover, and so it's it, great cover, great great idea, and a nice introduction again, our reintroduction to Corel. We had talked about it a little bit before that we have a couple of science fiction writers, hardcore science fiction writers writing Nova. So it's really cool, this the settings and the, how the artists, how, how Chen and Denim keep up with the, the high demands of these alien worlds to make them look realistic and fascinating all at the same time. So we've got our evil, possessed Gamora landing with her really cool looking attack team to track down where she said she was going to do. You had that silhouette where she says uh, she's going to go get him. And we open this issue where her team is moving to track down and find our our injured hero. And then we get to see our new hero, our new Nova, as she tries to get her footing on the ground and in the air, so to speak, as far as figuring out what she can do, what her abilities are. Pretty good start to the issue, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say, Corey? Yeah, this kicked it right off. You know, we end with her becoming Nova and then... And then we jump into her trial by fire. She's getting a crash course. The world mind explains that, uh, hey, there's no, there's no, uh, this is actually an interesting sort of parallel to the original Nova number one, because, you know, then he didn't have a computer voice in his head to tell him how to do things. And so he, here, the world mind says, there's no time that you will, you know, you will need direct mentoring to control the Nova powers. There is no time for more subtle forms of training. So Richard Ryder had the benefit, apparently, of more formal training. So yeah, really interesting kind of parallel to see a new Nova step up and, and get forced into this position. And yeah, she returns to her ship of stranded Kree soldiers. They have in the, in the interim brought the remains, sort of remains, I guess, of Richard Ryder, the, uh, who's healing himself. So he doesn't look quite as charred as before, but he looks pretty peaked. But he is healing, they're noticing. But they've got to protect him, and the world mind is ordering her, you've got to protect Nova Prime. And the uh, phalanx catch up to them and, and basically tear through them. And she tries to divert them and distract them by taking them out of the ship and, and having them follow her. But Gamora doesn't fall for it, and she skulks around, which I always love. I always love characters skulking around in little passageways and things like that. I'm a sucker for that stuff. You, If you want me to like something, just have a character sneak around. And, and yeah, she successfully converts Nova, which is he's finally healed enough to notice that Gamora has approached and tries to say, no, no, don't, but can't do much else. And she converts him. Yeah, a suspenseful issue, you know, sort of this desperate thrown into the thrown to the wolves kind of a moment for Corel, who's, you know, immediately likable. I mean, she's just she, uh, she's a great character. She's got this great sort of, you know single mother kind of thing where she's got this this son she's got this little uh, hologram projector that shows her son and she's kind of heartbroken about missing a whole year of him growing up and it's like don't don't make us like characters and then just kill them off like that that's that's just rude what would you think doug you know i love 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 that initial splash page that has the title of the issue together of corel i that's I, that's a great, great, great shot of her. So the art is super solid. I like how Abnett and Lanning just, they, from the get-go, like you said, Corel is immediately likable. We're supporting her right from the get-go. 
But there's a lot of character development, especially this early in in initial appearance of someone new, which I I just, I think is terrific. I don't think we see enough of that nowadays. But like you say, there's that, there's the shot of Crispy Rich. So when I first saw that panel, I was like, oh no. Again, love the development of Corel. And then, you know, every time we see the flank show up, they get creepier and creepier. Now we get like mechanical things coming in out of people's eyeballs and, and stuff like that. It's like, Ew. But then again, Corel, she keeps the good fight going and we see more of Rich recovering. And she seems to be having the same kind of relationship with the world mind that, that Rich does. You know, let's just argue with the AI. She loses focus on the the mission itself for a couple of minutes. That was all it took for Gamora to take over Rich. And of course, we see that he's fully healed by the flanks once he's infected. And I love that last page too. That's I think that's Brian Denham. That's another piece of beautiful art there. Yeah, the flank. I totally agree with the phalanx. The, the flanks being very, very creepy and scary, and yeah, amazing art and, and quite, quite the amazing story. And my favorite part is what Corey mentioned. It really does call back to Nova Number One with Corel trying to figure everything out, and then but brings her right into the present because she does have that advantage of world mind. And as Doug talked about arguing, you know, let's argue with the AI. This could be part of our future. All of us could be arguing with a world mind of some kind. The way things are going, we've seen our future. We're all going to be arguing with AI pretty quick. So yeah, fascinating, fascinating issue. Yeah, beautiful last panel. Great overall. Pretty cool ending though. We're going to move on to Nova number six. What'd you think of that one, Corey? Yeah, this one features Gamora holding a steaming skull of Nova on the cover. So Nova's dead. That's it. We're done. We're done. <laughs> Back it up. Six issue limited series. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, Doug's been mentioning these amazing covers and I, 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 I keep forgetting to. And, and they are absolutely just iconic covers. They're like sort of movie posters, which was kind of the, the philosophy of Marvel's covers at the time. So Corel races back to the ship and discovers that while she was away, Gamora and a few other of the phalanx soldiers or whatever killed everybody. She wants to take vengeance. And so she and Worldline agree that they're going to go after Gamora and Nova. But the Worldline says, well, when we catch up, you have to kill me and Richard because I can't risk the phalanx taking control of me. It's too dangerous. They cannot have the Nova force and the world mine as part of their empire or their, their whatever they are. Then we see Nova under control, very, very much under control, capturing Drax, making out with Gamora, which probably he doesn't need the phalanx to do that. And then Corel catches up and there's a very cool, very fun action sequence here. Chase scene of Richard Ryder chasing after Corel. Corel very much outclassed, but Worldmine coaching her along the way to try and make up for it. And once again, poor Corel, she just blows it again. She just, it doesn't work out. And she gets killed, and Gamora and Nova walk off very much satisfied with themselves. Uh, you know, this fi- final page, I really love this kind of like pull up, seeing her on the floor killed, half her helmet shattered from during the fight. The little hologram projector of her son, that little device, that projector crushed. 
and just ugh, totally total defeat in every respect. What did you think though, Don? Well, like I said, I I thought it was it can't all be levity. Obviously, the Annihilation War had some dark moments too, but Abnett and Lanning they gave us a hero. They made us care about her a great deal inside of a couple issues, and then they take her away. It's not easy to introduce a character that quick and make her that. You admired her, you respected her, you cheered for her, you wanted the best, and it just, it, you know, it, it didn't work out because she was a good person. She couldn't kill Rich, so because she couldn't pull the trigger, she ends up being killed instead. You know, World Mind's begging her to to save, you know, the World Mind because otherwise World Mind doesn't think he can get around the Phalanx stuff, obviously, or at least it hasn't worked out to this point. So from the start to the finish, she was a really cool character. So I, I kind of, it's, it's weird that I miss a character that I just got to know, but I do. And I think she was awesome. And that's, that's good writing. If you care about a character that quick, I think, even though, so yes, our bad guys, which are now rich and Gamora and uh, they put down Drax like a dog, you know, (laughs) so Drax, he didn't want to be part of the phalanx. He'd rather be dead than phalanx, but just to show how powerful rich is as himself and phalanx, he, Easily, you know, knocked out Drax along the way. Entertaining issue, good issue, sad issue. Were you sad, Doug? You know, surprisingly so. Yeah, um, when this came out, we developed this, you know, it felt like Corell had been around for a long time and, you know, we really liked her and, and rooting for her. And then, poof, she's gone. I remember being kind of angry about that. It was really interesting to see how the world mind changed its perspective on self-preservation because, you know, all this whole time we heard about him, you know, back to the Annihilation Nova miniseries that was part of Annihilation. And then these first couple of issues has been save the world mind, save the world mind, you know, save the Xandarian civilization, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden he he understands that, you know, unleashing Rich Rider a contaminated one with the world mind and the full Nova force. That's not even worth being preserved for. So he's saying, kill me, you know, for the greater good. And I, to me, that seemed like a step forward in the world mind as a character is that even an AI system knows, okay, I have to, there are things you have to do for the greater good. And you don't know, was that always built into it? Or is that something he had learned from being part of rich? And then that was a really good battle scene with Corel, where she's trying to lead him away and it's just not working because, you know, he's faster, more experienced and maneuverable. But at least she, she has the world mind that helping out, balance that out. And again, it just, it still wasn't enough. And she gets killed by Gamora. And uh, again, just a real shock ending for me. Any, anything else you guys want to add about that one? Well, uh, Corey kind of described it too, those last panels. And we sometimes, I think, in, in our modern vernacular of describing comic books, we use cinematic too often. But it is a very cinematic close to that where, they're, where you're literally framing out and, and backing out of the scene, as Corey described. And so, yeah, sad cinematic ending, but really cool as far as the the, the choices in the panel structure. Uh, Corey? Yeah, I think the only other thing I wanted to mention was just that Corel collapses into Nova's arms and she says to him, don't, you've got to, this isn't you. And then he, and it almost pulls him out. You can see 
that I love that effect that they do on the eyes, that sort of like static TV static screen in their eyes. And it kind of, you can see his pupils returning and it almost pulls him out. And then he he's, pull, he's sucked back in. But I think it was because of how sort of dark this issue is and how tragic it is and how attached we got to Corel so quickly. I'm glad that if she had to go, it was Gamora and not Nova, because I think that would have sort of been sort of damaging to him, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. And so we'll head on to the conclusion, which is issue number seven. And what did you think of that one, Don? Well, another great Adi Granov cover. This one a little bit more up close. And we've got those TV static evil eyes that Corey described. That's a pretty good description. You know, the TV, well, back in the old days, for people that are old, the TV... TV channels used to stop and just be staticky at the end of they play Star Spangled Banner like two in the morning and then TV static. So that's that's a really good description. So it's, it's made it to the cover. So the cover, the last Annihilation Conquest banner that we have uh, for these first seven issues. Great cover. TV eyes. We know we're starting right back where we started. And, and the big, huge, giant splash page to open the issue. It's got those evil TV eyes going, Disney. And, and we're, we're back. Leading his band of evildoers, but we do have a nice little flashback all of a sudden inside his head to to Corel, which is good. And as you know, World Mind at one point reminds Rich in this issue that you know that Im- the images of Corel are going to haunt him for some time. Well, we agree with Corey. We're glad it was Gamora that actually literally used the knife to to end our our champion's brief but fascinating and and fun existence. And again, I like uh, Corey's description where you can see moments where Rich is trying to come back. You almost see his eyes again early on in the pages, get through the little TV eyes, a little bit of of him fighting his way back. And then something fascinating that's happened a few times in comics and different stories. We, we go inside Rich's brain and we see and, and get to actually graphically see like the difference. And of course, the good part of him the part that's trying to call him back, the part that's trying to remind him that he's doing bad things is in his classic costume. And he looks great. <laughs> I, hey, don't get me wrong. The new design is really cool. But, you know, when you when you fall in love with the costume in 1976, it kind of stays with you. So you got good rich in the classic costume talking to to new TVI bad rich. And he's explaining that things are changing anyway because of Corel and the tide is turning. And that he's got to get on board and get back with the program. So it's a fascinating inter inner battles, and it actually shows that inner battle going on inside of his head, which is a pretty cool way to show that struggle. You know, do we all have two versions of ourselves talking in our heads? Corey, do you? Do you did, did you identify with that battle inside of his head? Oh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, they dress up exactly the same way as these two do. Uh, is it it good you in the classic costume or the or or in the in the new costume yeah it's the same it's the exact same setup Uh, classic classic is good spiky shouldered is evil i think that's pretty universal yeah this this is this was great i i did love this sort of you know the white space of somebody's mind and then kind of debating i love the, the the sort of build up to it too you know as he's narrating you keep seeing these little small narration panels kind of interrupts screaming, screaming, just sporadically. And at first, it's like the other narrator isn't acknowledging it at all. It's like, is this a is this a printing error? Why does that word screaming keep showing up? And then suddenly he's starting to hear, what, what, what did you say? 
and as somebody is asking, why aren't you screaming? And then finally he's pulled in and we see, yeah, it's, it is a, a portion of Nova, Richard Ryder, that hasn't been corrupted yet by the phalanx. So yeah, it was a, it was a cool like tug of war going on here. And we also see the world mine also sort of holding the line against the phalanx in, in uh, taking over itself. And we see a representation of the Nova Corps as, as a sort of a visualization of, of them kind of fighting off the phalanx. And we see a little Groot kind of Nova Corps member. We see a little Pokemon kind of Pikachu kind of thing. And we see a reference to our very own Doug Smith as a Nova Corpsman along with the others, uh, which is a very cool nod to him. And yeah, so they fight and they fight till finally they're able to suppress the phalanx enough and actually break Richard Ryder out of control. And he actually, and his eyes return back and they, but the world mind makes a point like you're not cured. It's just, it's in remission. We we've suppressed it enough that you have your own, you can, you can control yourself again. And he, he runs for it and he makes a mad dash and makes a desperate ploy to get out of the enclosed Cree space, the Cree that the phalanx have created this kind of bubble around it. Desperate ploy to, to escape and gets thrown across the galaxy. And, you know, and that's, that's kind of where we leave things. So yeah, cool issue. Doug, what'd you think? Yeah, this was great. You know, and that cover is really, I think that's my favorite of the whole series. The, the whole DNA run is that cover to seven. Just really, really, just beautiful art. And like you were talking about the little interventions of him remembering what happened to Corel. I, I think it's interesting that her last words to him, to Rich, are very similar to what Rich was telling Penance when he left Earth was, you know, this isn't you. Don't let, don't become something you're not, basically. So I, I really like that, you know, that struggle, even from the first page of the issue, the, the struggle inside Rich is making an appearance. And yeah, and then when we went inside Rich's head, you know, at first, at first, I didn't think that was Rich Ryder. I thought maybe it was Roman Day. But then, you know, obviously we figure out it's Rich. Oh, uh, yeah. And there's all the, uh, all the little Nova showing up. And that was actually really a surprise from Brian Denham, who had reached out and said he really liked the Nova site and, and asked me to send him a photo of me so he could draw me in. And I love that he gave me a superhero body. But then we see that, you know, Corel, it was Corel's sacrifice that gave him enough to tip things into his scale, which I think made the loss of Corel a little easier to accept for me as a reader. I was like, okay, I hate that she was gone, but even dying, she was a hero. Yeah, I just love how this whole thing, this whole issue went. And even the way he escaped the flanks is uh, the Cree controlled system that they have. I like when comics find these comic science solutions to things. It's like, okay, since our we have gravimetric powers, we're going to use gravity to kind of, you know, boost ourselves and blast our way out kind of deal. Kind of like back in the Marvel 2 and 1 number 3 annual where he had to use kind of the same method of using the gravity boost explosive force of a supernova 
to basically open the Stargate and get back to Earth. Same kind of thing. And I, I, I just, I love that solution. I love the dramatic tension of it. Just when you think everything, okay, they're going to pop out. Uh, he's Rich is going to pop out of the Stargate and he's going to go get help and take the fight to them. Like, oh, oops, <laughs> I'm, I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I have no idea where I am. So, but then he's followed by Drax and, and Gamora. So great end to the issue as well. Well, did when you when Brian Denham offered to draw you into the issue, Doug, did you ask for the extra stripes on your helmet? Did you say I want like <laughs> yeah, I want to be a higher rank than everybody. Give me lots of stripes. <laughs> uh, no, he just he took my face and put me in there. So again, really, uh, still to this day, super grateful to him for doing that. So I'm, I'm working with famous people, Doug drawn into the comic and, and we haven't mentioned it yet, but Corey being mentioned in the brand new Nova Omnibus as a special thanks. So Corey's, I, I, uh, I have to bow to both of you. This is uh, a <laughs> great Nova company. Blue blazing. Uh, Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a good life. I mean, the ending I didn't I didn't quite touch on, but but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it it's fun when they come up with some you know crazy sciency ish sort of explanation to a problem that they've sort of painted themselves into. I think that's always really great. Like instead of just oh he just punched a hole through, okay cool, you know, like there's actually some other way he has to get around get around it, which is which is really fun. And I, I always appreciate too when things get a little cosmic and the panels go all Jim Starlin-esque. Yeah, that's always fun when the characters get all like wobbly and stretched and things. So that was fun to see. Yeah, it was good effects, good special effects, good, great art throughout the series. Both uh, Chen and, and Denim doing a great job on these first seven issues. And of course, it, it still ends on a cliffhanger, even though we've, we're losing the Annihilation Conquest banner and the tie-ins directly to that second miniseries. We have the cliffhanger with Gamora and now the now Drax, who did eventually get taken by the flanks, going to be in hot pursuit of a, a revived Rich Rider out of the clutches of the Phalanx at last. So, yeah, quite a cliffhanger and a good fade to black there. Although we should say he's not quite at full power. He, to keep the Phalanx sort of at bay, it's in remission. And so he's at, what is it, like 18% or something like that of his power. So he's lost and he's got Drax and Gamora are in hot pursuit of him. So... So yeah, even though the crossover technically is done, it's still dealing with uh, repercussions of, of that event. Okay, so I think that's where we're going to lead off now is at the end of number seven. And the next podcast, we'll take over with the number eight. And I want to thank Don and Corey for just a, another great conversation, guys. And thank everybody for listening. And, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Final thoughts. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Xandar Radio. I hope you enjoyed it and look forward to receiving your feedback. Send your comments as a voice message and it may be played in a future episode. And of course, you're always welcome to send an email to xandarradio at gmail.com or leave a post at the Xandar Radio Facebook page. All avenues of contact can be reached at novaprimepage.com slash podcasts.asp. I'd like to extend a very big thank you again to Corey and Don for their time and insights. Thanks, guys. And thank you 
for taking time to listen to the program today. The next episode of Xandar Radio will be released in July. It will have Nova reviews, fun features, and a new Studio 64 roundtable session as we continue our look at the Abnet and Lanning Nova series. Until then, have a blue blazing day. This is the world mind. I am taking back control from my human host. Zender Radio is a Studio 64 production of the Nova Prime page. This program is the property of Doug Smith. Nova and other characters mentioned are Trademarks of Marvel Characters, Incorporated. All rights reserved. Music heard in the program is by Chad Crouch. A link to his site and the license can be found at novaprimepage.com.